0: Hello and welcome to this mini-series of podcasts for all staff working in health and care across Greater Manchester. This series builds on the podcasts launched in November, which, as part of a national initiative, have been specifically targeted at staff working in primary care. It aims to widen the accessibility of all our GM health and wellbeing support to everyone in the Greater Manchester area. I'm Lynn Marsland and I'm delighted to welcome back Shenny Ravji smith who will host these episodes, created in response to the things that you have told us are important to you. They are part of the GM Wellbeing Toolkit, which is available for you to access to support your well-being and the well-being of those around you.
1: Many of our workplaces have been paying more attention to staff wellbeing than ever before. While some have increased the activities and access to support, others have looked at how we can embed good well-being cultures into our working days. As part of the Greater Manchester Wellbeing Programme, there is a focus on the attention needed to sustain this energy and focus on creating good workspaces that help us be at our best. We're joined today by System Wellbeing Project Manager Michelle Maloney. He's going to share some of the learning from the work that's ongoing across our system and Matron for Children's Health and Clinical Lead for Nursing Health and Wellbeing, Anne Carey from Writington, Wigan and Lee Teaching Hospitals. Welcome, Michelle and Anne. Thanks, Shelley.
2: Hi, Shelley.
3: So, Michelle, first of all, what are wellbeing champions? So, wellbeing champions are individuals who work across all levels of the health and social care system, from all demographics and different roles, who will promote, identify and signpost their colleagues to local and national health and wellbeing uh, support offices.
1: And who can be a wellbeing champion? Why is this role so important in our organisations?
3: A health and wellbeing champion role is not intended to be a full-time role or a paid role within an organisation. It's intended to be filled by colleagues from an organisation or team who may have a particular interest in health and wellbeing or are just keen to support the wellbeing of their colleagues. They generally are that go-to person within local areas and departments. So why they're so important is that research tells us uh, staff who feel that they're they're cared about and supported and valued in their workplace has a real positive effect on patient care and outcomes. It improves staff morale, it improves retention and recruitment, it it reduces sickness, presenteeism. The wellbeing champion role is a real asset to, to any team. And
1: of course, today we're joined by Anne, who is a wellbeing lead in one of our hospitals. Anne, how did you get involved with this?
2: So approximately a month into the first lockdown in 2020, I was approached by the chief nurse of my organisation to join a new initiative of carrying out well-being walkabouts across the trust with another senior clinician. So the two of us linked in with the Steps for Wellness team and discussed with them what they felt that we could bring to the organisation by carrying out these walkabouts And we carried out some diffuser training so that we would be able to manage any scenarios we came across on the shop floor. So we started carrying out weekly walkabouts, going into different wards, into intensive care, into theatres, into admin areas and talking to the staff in those areas about their experiences. Because, as you're aware, it was a a very unreal situation when the whole country went into lockdown. And working in the hospital was a strange environment because we just stopped relatives coming in and patients stopped coming in as well. So unless they were really unwell, they didn't come to the hospital. So we were all working in a very unfamiliar territory. So when we went on to the various areas, we spoke to staff about how they were feeling How they were managing the situation, because not only was it different in the work environment, it was different in their home environment as well. And we were all learning to live in this strange situation. And one of the things we tried to bring to the fore and discuss everywhere we went was the concept of it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to actually voice that in your working environment and with your work colleagues. As healthcare professionals, whether we're a nurse, a doctor, a porter, a radiographer, we're not very good at saying when we're not okay. We come into the professions because we want to look after other people. And when we're not looking after ourselves, we're not very good at telling somebody I'm struggling. So we we really wanted to push that concept that if you are struggling, please tell somebody or please seek some support. So part of that support was promoting the well-being champions in every area. So the Steps for Wellness team had been doing some work for quite some time about introducing well-being champions, but it hadn't really taken off. So a big part of our role as the leads was to promote the well-being champion in every area and to encourage staff in each area to sign up to it. And as Michelle mentioned earlier, Usually that person is the go-to person if somebody has a problem, somebody they can speak to, somebody they know they can confide in and it'll remain confidential unless they wanted to go further. So we did a lot of promotion of the wellbeing champion role as part of our walkabouts and nearly two years later we're now up to 158 champions across the trust and they work with their colleagues to... Identify if any of their colleagues are struggling and they get regular emails from the Steps for Wellness team sharing what support is available in the Trust from a psychological point of view, from an app point of view. One of the most popular apps at the beginning was the Sleepio app because a lot of staff were struggling to sleep when they went home. And making staff aware that this was available and it was available to all staff to access. It makes a difference, but it's also having the person on the shop floor who knows that this is all available and that's a big part of the wellbeing champion. Quite quickly on the walkabouts, we realised that although both of us were quite senior in the organisation, some of the questions and some of the information the staff were asking us, we didn't have the answers. So we approached our executive team and explained to them what we were doing and what we were trying to achieve. And we asked the executive team if they'd join us on the walkabouts, uh, which they were quite keen to do because they wanted to get out to talk to the staff and support the staff on the shop floor. So they started joining our weekly walkabouts and the staff, at first, were very hesitant to talk to an executive because they were the executives of the organisation and we really can't talk to them. So at the beginning they were quite hesitant to actually voice any concerns or tell them the reality of working on the shop floor. But as time has gone on, we're talking nearly two years down the line since we started this initiative, we still do walkabouts with the executive team and the staff are more open and honest about actually approaching the execs and telling them how it is to work on the shop floor, what the reality is, what the pressures are, what they need to support them to do a good job. And one of the good things that has come out of it is areas will now ask for the exec team to visit their um, work areas or their ward, their environment, and they'll tell them what's going on and how things are in reality. So that
1: culture change that you're describing over the last two years is quite significant. What kind of things have you actually introduced into the workplace as a wellbeing lead?
2: So in my own areas as the well-being lead, I am the matron for child health in my day job. So in my areas I've got eight well-being champions who work quite closely with the Steps for Wellness team. And any information they receive from the Steps Wellness team, they share out with the rest of the, the team on the children's areas. So those wellbeing champions range from one of the pediatric consultants who's quite supportive of staff well-being, down to the play specialists, healthcare assistants and staff nurses. So as a well-being champion, you don't have to be the ward manager of an area. It can be any member of staff who's keen on promoting well-being in the workplace. So I haven't introduced changes in my work area. The well-being champions have. What they've done, particularly on the children's ward, they've introduced the Steps for Wellness board, which is on display for all staff and patients and their parents to see and they display all the information they receive from the Steps from Wellness team. They've also introduced a positivity board for the staff and they quite regularly put up new positive quotes for staff to read as they're on their way to the tea room. And part of this positivity board is a staff shout out board. So they use post-it notes to write each other little notes so if they've had a particularly different difficult situation where somebody has helped them or somebody has made some scenario easier for them to work with they write a note just to say thank you and then we share those comments with the staff on our communication cells. The other thing they've introduced is mug of the week so staff will Choose a mug of the week. Whichever member of staff has got the mug will choose another member of staff to be the mug of the week for the following week, and they'll fill the mug with little goodies like pens. We always need pens as nurses. Chocolate is a favourite, hand cream, lip balm, things like that. So, usually on a Friday, communication cell or comm cell, as we call it, the mug of the week who's been nominated will receive their mug and they normally write a little card to say we've chosen you as mug of the week and write why um so that goes down very well and our ward is called rainbow ward so our little mug has got a little rainbow on so the mug goes with with the mug of the week for a week one of the most favorite things that was introduced by our play specialist on the team was a going home wall so where the staff leave the ward, there was a big blank wall um, down the corridor. So she put a display on that wall about switching off when you're going home. And obviously, as with the children's ward, it had uh, a frozen team about letting it go. Your shift before you go home. And it went along the lines of, you've come to the end of your shift. Let it go. You've done the best that you could on your shift. Go home, rest and relax. And the staff love that.
1: So Anne, I'm really loving the recognition that you're describing. It's so important for colleagues. The staff wellbeing boards, the mug of the week, but in particular the let it go, that encouragement to decompress before you go home so you're able to really be your best at work and at home. What things are you noticing are really making a difference as a wellbeing lead? What are you learning?
2: So... The introduction of the wellbeing champions across all the different areas is making a big impact on the staff. So the wellbeing champions get regular email updates from the Steps and Wellness team, providing them with the information to share with their colleagues and the teams of what wellbeing support is out there. Having the wellbeing champion who is quite vocal about being a wellbeing champion about being there to speak to if anybody is struggling, about being there to signpost staff to areas where they can get support. It's making a big difference to the staff because once, like I said earlier, our culture has always been that we bottle things up and we cope because that's what we've always done. Once one member of staff verbalises that they're not okay, the culture kind of changes so that it becomes... It doesn't become the norm, but staff feel freer to voice when they are struggling. And then they're more supportive to each other through challenging shifts. And again, they let it go at the end of the shift. They take that five minutes before they leave to go. Is there anything you want to discuss before you leave the shift? Is there anything that concerns you on the shift? And to discuss it before they leave shift so they're not going home and then not being able to sleep because something that's happened or they're worried about something. There's a lot more attention to supporting each other when there is difficult situations or when staff are upset. And I think it's reducing the isolation because I think we've all been there when we woke up in the middle of the night and thought, I didn't do that or I should have done it differently. And having that time at the end of the shift to actually recognise that we need to leave the shift where it is, go home, rest, relax and recuperate, come back ready for the next shift. There's more recognition of that from a staff point of view, from a workplace culture point of view. The last two years have been the toughest we've ever seen, not just in the NHS, for everybody in their personal lives and in their working lives. Having a supportive culture in your workplace is important. It feeds into the driver of why we're all committed to the work we do. Like I said, we come in into the care and profession to look after other people. So whether it's frontline clinicians or non-clinical staff, we need to be able to support each other and recognise when we're each other are struggling.
1: And that more compassionate culture that you're describing, being kinder towards each other, giving the space to be able to say it's OK not to be OK, and these are the things we can do about it, feel like they're making a huge impact. So, Michelle, where are the opportunities in this? How do we build on some of these uh, initiatives to make sure that we can sustain this moving forward?
3: I think there are huge opportunities and the pandemic gave us a real platform to fully embed that wellbeing culture and that that shift, you know, not just within organisations but across the whole system. As I say, I think there's, there's lots and lots of work to be done. There are opportunities and challenges with any aspect of work that people do, but in particular health and wellbeing, there really does need to be that mindset change about how we think about wellbeing in the workplace. We have a legacy of focusing more on the technical and operational aspects of work and not so much about that impact on the human and and how it impacts people's lives, you know, we talk about presenteeism, we talk about higher levels of staff sickness and things like that. But by embedding that wellbeing culture and some of the things that Anne just spoke about before, the very small things that can be implemented within a workplace, which can massively improve and enhance staff morale, motivation, and again, in turn, positive patient outcomes, which is what we're all kind of striving for Um, so the culture change is not just at organisational level individual teams areas of specialisms have their own culture so within teams they have their own ways of working and you know essentially not everybody likes change so it's adapting to some of that but it only takes one person and I think that's the real kind of benefit of having a well-being champion in the workplace. The more that that work is promoted and identified and seen as the norm, the more that people will buy into it and and people will get on board with the the support that's out there to know that actually it's okay to take a break for five minutes and go and catch your breath. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel a little bit stressed or anxious or worried. That actually you're in a very pressurised area and to be able to to step away from that for five minutes and take a breath, that's okay. Why would you not feel stressed, worried, anxious, you know, whatever it may be, but having that normalised behaviour and, and, and that go-to person within a team, it can really enhance any workplace. And as I say, there's still lots and lots of work to be done. I think, you know, the other opportunity that we have, there are lots of sources of support out there and the Greater Manchester Health and Wellbeing Toolkit is packed with helpful resources signposting to a whole host of of different things. But as Anne touched on before, absolutely love the idea of the the Let It Go board, which is essentially a check-in, check-out, you know, You're checking in with yourself before you check out for the day and it's just a great way to be able to say, actually, my work here is done, I'm going to go home, I'm going to rest, I'm going to recover and and come back the next day and and feel energised about that.
2: So actually reflecting on our Let It Go wall where we're encouraging staff to decompress, go home, rest and recuperate, staff have asked if we could turn that on its head and have a check-in wall So that when staff arrive, we're welcoming them to the shift, giving them the ability to focus on the shift ahead and helps them be ready to face whatever that shift brings.
1: So, Michelle, if you were to give one bit of advice to people who are thinking about setting up a wellbeing champion network in their workplace,
3: what would it be? Top tips would be to have people of influence on board from exec leads to well-being leads, to be open-minded, to let teams do what works for them in their way. Engaging at local level, seeing where there are particular themes and identifying them and then actually trying to implement some change if that can happen. There will be some things that, that you're not able to change, but just by simply checking in with staff is valued in itself And to keep momentum, to keep this work up, I think is really, really important because that's the only way that we will change the culture and embed wellbeing as the norm.
1: Thank you so much for your insights, Michelle and Anne. It's been really helpful to hear your experiences of setting up Wellbeing Champion Networks and the benefits that it brings to our workplaces across health and care. For more information about the Wellbeing Champions Network, head to the episode page and you can find more information about the Greater Manchester Wellbeing Programme on the main series page. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, there's an email address on this episode page too. We would really love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to this series via your favourite podcast provider so you don't miss out on a single episode and remember to tell all your colleagues so they don't miss out either. Looking forward to speaking with you soon.